0: And welcome to episode 43 of the Creative Writer's Toolbelt. Now, in recent episodes, we've been looking at the six-stage story process. And in this episode, I'm going to be looking at the fifth of those six stages, the climax. If you're new to the podcast or you're not familiar with the six-stage story process, you can go back and start with episode 36 and work forwards for a more comprehensive review of what it's all about. But I'm also going to give you a three-minute summary of it here and now. So let's get into it. The six stage story process is a model of how stories work. And in describing the model, I try to focus on the practical benefits that come from applying the model. I want to recognize my sources here. The six stage story process in concept is mine, but I'm drawing on the likes of the Greek philosopher and scientist Aristotle, the German playwright Gustav Freytag, and the screenwriter and author Robert McKee. So here are those six stages and the ways that you can apply them to your writing. In the first stage, you need to do three things capture the reader that means grabbing their interest and making them care about your characters second you need to set your scene how can you present that setting in a way which means that the readers can immerse themselves in it and thirdly you have to prepare for the inciting incident and the inciting incident is stage two of that six stage process and this is the event that really gets the story going and again you're trying to do three things here so first of all you start to address the need for change and action in the story secondly you want to transform Transform the story and really draw your reader in. And finally, you want to launch the reader onto the next stage of the story. And that next stage, the third stage is the momentum stage. And this is likely to be the longest stage in the story. And it takes you all the way through to the crisis. And in the momentum stage, you want to drive up the energy and the momentum of your story. And you want to use a consistent and distinctive voice as you develop your characters, your theme, and your setting. And you play out the plot line of your story and pull everything towards the crisis and the climax, which are stages four and five respectively of the process. So stage four is the crisis, and this is the moment that signals to the reader that the climax of the story is at hand, that all of the decisions and actions that have occurred along the way are now going to come together. And it's a real opportunity to present new aspects of your characters, their relationships, and their true metal as they face the climax of the story. And stage five then is the climax, which is the stage I'm gonna be looking at today in this episode, and it's the clash of opposing forces, opposing ideas, opposing ideals as well. It's a battle, although by no means should it necessarily be a physical battle, but it certainly is a clash of opposing values, and opposing desires in the story and an outcome from that clash has to come at this stage and it has to be a clear outcome then we move into the final stage stage six which is the resolution and it's in this resolution that we see the consequences of the climax and then the close of the story and i'm borrowing again from robert mckee here because there are three things that can happen in that final stage first of all we can tie up any subplots that are still running secondly we We can show the readers the wider implications of the result of the climax. And finally, we can let the readers catch their breath and come down from the tension and the drama of that climax. So that, in summary, is the six-stage story process. And in this episode, I want to look at stage five, the climax. And we're going to explore this stage by asking a couple of questions. First, what exactly is the climax of the story? And secondly, what do I, as the writer, need to make happen in that stage of the story? So let's have a look at the first of those two questions. What exactly is the climax? First of all, and most important, the climax is a direct clash of characters and their values. Now again, in his book, Story, Robert McKee talks about the controlling idea. And this is the fundamental idea that acts as the pivot for your whole story. The controlling idea can be something like an assertion that love conquers all because lovers will sacrifice self for each other. Or it could be perhaps that the relentless pursuit of money will eventually leave you poorer because of all the other things you have to sacrifice to gain that wealth. Or it could be that perhaps a nation is better governed by democratic and liberal values than an autocratic and rigid system. And the controlling idea doesn't need to represent the triumph of good over evil. It could sometimes be the other way around. There are stories in which the controlling idea is that money and power will always win out in the end. Now that might not be such a satisfying story for the readers, but it still contains that controlling idea. can even be morally neutral for example the controlling idea of a story might be that you can't change a person they can only change themselves they can't truly be changed by someone else and the climax of your story is the moment where that controlling idea and the people that stand on either side of it are finally tested. Because the climax represents the coming together of those who are on either side of that idea. And so the climax represents a clash not just of opposing forces, but of opposing characters and ideas. A story where the climax is just two greedy people fighting over some money is no story at all why would the readers care? They don't know who the characters are and they don't really care about the moral underpinning of the story. And it doesn't matter how big and dramatic your climax is, it will fail the reader must understand who the characters are and they must care about the outcome and if you get that right your climax could simply be a war of words your readers will still be there with you so for example the climax stage in pride and prejudice doesn't involve any spilling of blood but it is a mesmerizing battle all the same as elizabeth bennett takes on and beats the formidable lady catherine de burgh the second thing that represents the climax is this It is the absolute resolution of the clash of values. The climax is not the conclusion of a subplot. It's not an uneasy truce. There should be no thinking about coming back for round two with the climax. There should be no sense that we might need to go into extra time. This is the resolution of the question posed by the story, by the whole story. Now you might think, well what if I'm writing a seven book epic and this is just book one? I'm not going to settle everything now, and that's true, but your climax is still a resolution. It's just a resolution of a different story. It's the resolution of the story and the values that are at stake just in that book, not in the whole series. So for example, the first Harry Potter book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, as it was called in the US, is a story about this stone and its power and its potential the story does have a climax and that climax focuses on the resolution of what happens to the stone and harry and voldemort and in that sense there is a climax and a final resolution but we understand that it's not the climax which resolves the whole story and of course this clash of values Doesn't have to be a straight battle between good and evil, but it has to have a resolution. So, for example, The Lord of the Rings is a magnificent story, and the cast in it line up pretty much as good guys versus bad guys. The same is true largely of the Harry Potter series, good guys versus bad guys. So, when the climax comes, it is pretty strongly good versus evil. But there are other stories where the resolution is more ambivalent. For example, if you've read Joe Abercrombie's First Law trilogy, you will find there quite a range of morally ambivalent characters characters and yet when they all come together at the end the story reaches a climax and a resolution and it's useful sometimes to look back at your inciting incident because the climax can in some cases complement that inciting incident because it draws to a close the period of change and action that was ushered in at that earlier stage of the story so for example again in the lord of the rings we can debate exactly where the inciting incident is maybe it's when frodo is given the ring maybe it's when gandalf realizes what the ring is but whatever it is whatever that that inciting incident is it is absolutely about the ring and then the climax of the story has to be about the ring as well so it's not the battle at the white city it's not any kind of big battle it's about when the ring is destroyed Now in previous episodes I've used as an example the English folk tale Jack in the Beanstalk and in that story the magic beans growing into a beanstalk is the inciting incident and the story climax finishes with Jack chopping down the beanstalk. So again you see there is a certain symmetry there where the inciting incident starts something and the climax closes it. So that covers the issue of what is the climax. So now let's think about what we as writers have to make happen during the climax. And there are three things to cover at this point. First, the climax must focus on what is really at stake. So the climax must address the central issue of your story. You have to focus on that central issue at this point. All of the other smaller battles and subplots can exist, but they must take second place to this decisive resolution. In The Lord of the Rings, the climax of the story is about Frodo's drama with the ring. It's not about the Battle of the White City or Helm's Deep or the Battle of Moranon, which is the Battle at the Black Gate. It's none of that. It's all about the ring. When Harry Potter takes on Lord Voldemort, the climax of the story is about the clash of those two characters and their values. We can have other subplots in it. So for example, we can all cheer when Molly Weasley sticks it to Bellatrix Lestrange and very satisfying that is too. But we shouldn't get confused into thinking that that is what the climax is all about. These subplots are great, but focus on the main clash. Second thing that you've got to do with the climax, there needs to be some real contention. It may or may not be a fight in the physical sense, but there needs to be both contention and that contention is a real threat to the protagonist, either directly to them or to something that's precious to them. In The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, for example, we know that the threat to the children from the witch is real. We have seen how she deals with Edmund. We have seen how Lucy and Susan witnessed aslan give himself up as a sacrifice we have seen the witch murder aslan we know that as an enemy she has real power so your climax has to present a clash which is a real danger to your protagonist third and finally in this stage the climax needs to facilitate the sixth and final stage of your story which is the resolution so the climax needs to lead into the three objectives of that last stage which just as a reminder are First of all, tying up any subplots that are still running. Secondly, showing the wider implications of the results of the climax. And finally, letting the audience just catch their breath and come down from the tension and drama and suspense. And we'll be looking more at that sixth stage, the resolution, in episode 44. So that's the climax stage of your story. And in this episode, I have referred to the following works. Story by Robert McKee, published by Matthew in Publishing. The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, published by HarperCollins, Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which is in the public domain, the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling, published by Bloomsbury, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, published by HarperCollins, and the First Law Trilogy by Joe Abercrombie, published by Gallance. And I've also referred to the English folktale Jack in the Beanstalk. I hope that episode has been useful to you. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do so by just dropping me an email, andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com or you can get in touch via our group at Goodreads, the creative writer's tool belt there. I'll be back in a couple of weeks time with the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye. (music)